to Gender Forking, a Twilight Saga podcast. I'm your host, Lori. I'm Sam. Today we're talking about chapters 7 and (laughs) 8, Melody and Ghost. But we have some exciting news first. Is it? (laughs) No, it's not exciting. It's sad. (laughs) I don't know why my instinct when I read it was to laugh, because it's like, it's not funny, but I just know that... The content writes itself, though. Yeah. So, Robert Pattinson has coronavirus, and you just know he's going to say something so wild about it when he eventually talks about it, you know? Like, his next interview for Batman is just going to be, like, him talking about how coronavirus impacted his life and i just i can't of course i can't predict what this man is gonna say because who can yeah but uh, you just know it's gonna be good (laughs) i can't like what timeline are we in i don't know it's stupid that they're even in production i know yeah that's infuriating i hope he's gonna be okay because if he's not i'm going to yeah um kill everyone yeah and myself destroy (laughs) dc Like, honestly, it's so stupid because it's, like, I'm not, I'm, like, I'm, you know, I'm, of course, worried about him, whatever. But I'm also, like, of all the people on that set, the poor people that had to interact with him to do his hair and makeup, just, like, the exposure is so high. Like, the number of people that came in contact with him over the last, like, however long working on on Batman is so high. And I'm sure that they don't have the, like obligation to disclose how many people are getting sick because of mm-hmm. of this i find it really interesting to track like other public institutions because they have to release their data mm-hmm. some of them and so that's really fun but like i can't even imagine how many people came in close contact with him during the days where he was contagious and at work yeah truly unconscionable unconscious unconscious what is that word it's one of those it's bad <laughs> it's bad <laughs> Exactly. Nailed it. Your first well, reaction was take me first, God, which is yeah. really great. <laughs> take me instead. <laughs> the one man I would die for. <laughs> this <sighs> year is testing us all. What a fun little cluster of chapters we've read. Yeah, they're really for today. fun. There's like no Bella in them. There's a little like a little Bella from afar because he's spying on her a lot during these chapters but there's there's yeah, like a lot there's no actual like interaction between them which is really wild it's just like secret spy Edward the whole time yeah which is horrific and, and also really fun horrific and fun is how I would describe the whole book so far <laughs> yeah totally I did enjoy these chapters you know what I wanted to get the illustrated guide let me go grab that really quick you know they don't even have anything on Peter and Charlotte in here like at all that's rude. I th- I'm pretty sure it's like the Mexican coven. Let me see if there's a wiki page for them. I read the wiki page. There's almost nothing. Well, <laughs> well, we'll never know. So it turns out Let's I was done with my research. Oh my god, should I? Yeah, that'd be so funny. <laughs> yeah, if I just presented Let's make it, it as up. fact. <laughs> should we jump into chapter seven? Yes. Let's. I do it. Cannot. <laughs> <laughs> I like. <sighs> I just like. I think a lot of this chapter, I was just looking over the draft. A lot of this chapter is was in the original draft. Mm-hmm. Like, it's pretty much the same, at least the first half of it that I just breezed through. But I, I didn't remember. I You know, a lot of it I block out of my memory. Yeah. This, like, little interlude that Edward goes on here on attraction and whether or not Bella is physically attracted to him and then, like, him just getting horny yeah. in his car. I totally yes. forgot. It's... so wild i literally was like writing my outline yesterday and i was like edward ponders over attraction in the car in the rain which is like such a like sad boy poignant thing for him to be doing i'm surprised he's not like writing a poem about it yeah and he talks about like fantasizing about bella which is so weird i can't believe he did that (laughs) he like i guess he's like basing them off of fantasies that like jessica has had about him because it's like his only context for like romantic or sexual fantasies which is like so funny that that that's the case yeah and he says this like horrible line that i like read out loud to helen yesterday and i was like you would not believe this this line just like upset me so much it's on page 143 
in the physical book and it says mm-hmm. did i want bella to be attracted to me a woman to a man ew <laughs> ew ew unnecessary <laughs> uncalled for no one asked for that <laughs> i almost went into the group chat that we have with um remember twilight and twilight oh, phase yeah. because twilight phase does like best line worst line and yeah. and i wanted to like i wanted to go and tell them that this is my new worst line <laughs> absolutely it's so cringy (laughs) like yeah the like the rampant heterosexuality of like him being like a woman to a man to define like physical attraction i was like ew ew he didn't have to put that in there yeah gross and neither did stephanie Stephanie yeah did it (laughs) yeah it's all stephanie's fault i'm surprised that she like kept that in i think it's like almost meant to be like a euphemism for like, instead of having to explain, like, what the attraction is, instead yeah. of having to be, like, physical or sexual attraction yeah. or, like, lust or something like that, mm-hmm. it's, like, almost like a euphemism to just say a woman to a man. It comes like, off you know. so churchy, like, when they talk about, um, so, like, yeah. physical relationships in church and they just don't want to say mm-hmm. it. So they're, like, the love between a woman and a man and or, like, right. two children of God or, like, something like that and it's like ew ew (laughs) yeah it's very churchy i think it's interesting that a lot of what edward is experiencing and the way that he is articulating it to himself is through the eyes and experiences of mike and now jessica Mm -hmm. a lot of how he understands what he's experiencing for bella is like through what he is watching mike do and being like i'm doing the same thing as mike or i would never do what mike is doing or like yeah i feel jealousy because of mike doing this and now he's saying like his sort of lead into thinking about these things like physical aspects of a relationship he (laughs) is like is that his only context like does he not like does he not see his family be affectionate with one another like he's thinking about jessica's fantasies yeah it's weird because it's like he definitely does see his family doing those things because he comments on how emmett's relationship with rosalie is so physical and how like jasper and alice are so mentally connected and it's like so then why are you comparing yourself to a human because it's such a visual thing for him in this moment Mm -hmm. that he's like remembering those things and what jessica was envisioning with him specifically and then like superimposing bella's face onto it yeah (laughs) (laughs) um but it's like it's almost like (laughs) and i i do hate this thought that i'm having but it's like edward's never seen porn so this is edward's porn. Uh, you're right (laughs) oh god i don't think edward's ever seen porn no i mean i could see emmett being like haha look at this yeah (laughs) like in the 80s yeah decade yeah like plugs in a vcr (laughs) makes edward sit down on the couch to <laughs> sex ed sex yeah. ed with Emmett <laughs> yeah and then Edward immediately runs out of the house but yeah. he's definitely not seen enough to probably develop what his sexual fantasy for him would look like right I guess he's never really experienced one before yeah and like maybe true demisexual fashion <laughs> yeah true <laughs> oh my god do you think that Stephanie Meyer invented demisexuality by writing Twilight yeah yeah I think so too um yeah, I think that's, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it works for Mormonism. Yeah, just like a huge, like, first brick at Stonewall moment for demisexuality written in this, <laughs> this text. First brick at Stonewall. <laughs> Edward Cullen. Just like a first brick at Stonewall situation. The first brick at Stonewall of, uh, in the demisexual movement. Um. <laughs> what a, what a problematic take. <laughs> I know. Clearly, clearly not what's happening. Anyway, I was beside myself reading this. Yeah, absolutely. What makes me angry is that, like, Edward has this intense longing to be human because he's feeling like he's found the one and he can't be with her in the way that he wants to. And yet Mm -hmm. he doesn't make the logical jump to being sympathetic to Rosalie at all which to me seems like an an obvious connection and if he would not treat her like such shit which he totally does 
throughout this entire mm-hmm. first bit of the book, and I'm sure it continues, so I'm just really looking forward to that. He's longing to be human and remembering his human life and wanting to have these experiences that we know that he can and will have but he thinks can only be experienced Mm -hmm. if he's a human with her he doesn't think who could i talk to about this longing to be human maybe my sister rosalie who's been in mourning of her human life for decades you know like and he doesn't make that jump right and i'm like and you still think she's so superficial and vain for wanting to to be human and and yeah yeah i feel like it'd just be so much more interesting if they if they did reconcile over that experience yeah it's so stupid that it takes i mean you know honestly i don't even really feel like edward and rosalie have a reconciliation in the saga because you know bella and rosalie have a reconciliation while bella's pregnant because they both want renesmee to be born and not (laughs) destroyed and edward is still fighting against them both at that point because he doesn't want what what's best for or he wants what's best for bella and that's obviously something we'll talk way more about in the future but um (laughs) but like he doesn't like to my knowledge he doesn't have a reconciliation with rosalie it's like bella is a relationship with rosalie that gets better not edwards Mm, not that i can remember yeah they have like little moments in new moon you know she experiences remorse rosalie does Mm. at like her behaviors leading in part to Edward, like, trying to uh, get himself destroyed by the Volturi. Get himself yeeted. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she's like, oh, that was shitty. Yeah. But they don't have, like, a, a moment where they're like, we are family and we get each other. So that's kind of a bummer. Yeah, it's a shame. It's like so annoying to read how they how how he treats her in this. On like the second page or so of this chapter, there's this paragraph where he's talking about his human memories. Yeah. And how in the last days, his last part of his life, my thoughts had all been turned to a soldier's glory. The great war had raged through most of my adolescence. It's like, were you a soldier? I don't know. Think he was old enough to officially be one like i I read that as like Mm -hmm. he was 17 so he couldn't be a soldier yet and his mom was like i hope that the war ends before you can it's interesting that like that that's never to my knowledge revisited that those were his like aspirations as a human yeah did he want to be a soldier question mark big question mark yeah did he want that imperialism (laughs) yeah it like seems like he was just like swept up into like the pre-war or, like, the, the during war craze of, like, I'm going to go fight for my country or whatever. And then it doesn't <laughs> seem to have carried over into his vampire, like, personality or aspirations. He doesn't have a deep love for fighting. And, like, I don't know. It, it seems really, really weird. Like, it's a weird That is really weird. Detail <laughs> it's a weird for... little cutaway. Yeah. I would, like, I would be much more inclined to believe that he wanted to be, like, a musician or something when did this angst come into the picture right weird before after the vampirism so it seems like it's so part of his personality that he had to be frozen that way i don't know i don't know i feel like he would more identify with like the great writers of that age and like the lost generation yes and all that yeah even if not explicitly in like an anti-war or like critical way like you'd think he would be more drawn towards like those things as a profession based on his entire deal as a vampire his generation yeah he's like of the same generation as like f scott fitzgerald yeah you know? yeah like, i think f scott fitzgerald is like five years older than edward cullen it's it's super weird it's a, it's like stephanie has this one opportunity to tell us about what he, edward's human life was like and she does it this way and i'm kind of like cop out <laughs> it's just like infusing history into it i don't know yeah. i don't know i don't it doesn't really check out that he would be someone really interested in war and fighting just even based on his interactions with jasper who like like he doesn't seem to be like super interested by the fact that jasper did do that for yeah. a really long time yeah. and like i don't i don't know it just it's weird the next note that i have written down is about the cullen's various pastimes <laughs> yes so yeah alice drives <laughs> bella's truck home and she's delighted about it and then everyone goes home and does their um afternoon hobbies <laughs> yeah they're Hobby so time. cute free time who okay Vampire tag yourself 
Which one are you? Okay, so the options are huge game of chess, Mm -hmm. fashion design, Mm -hmm. architecture, yeah, (laughs) playing piano, Mm -hmm. uh, or watching TV, Uh (laughs) slash working on cars. Yeah. Um, I feel like I would either be playing piano or playing giant game of chess. Yeah. I feel like I would be doing fashion design, but then also helping the giant chess players cheat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Which is what Alice is doing. Alice is whispering Emmett's next moves to Jasper. <laughs> I do feel like, you know, Emmett's playing chess and Edward's playing piano. I feel like as an Aries who is also a Cancer rising, I feel like I am a weird combination of Emmett and Edward. <laughs> <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I really am. Yeah. 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 I could definitely see that. I feel also like I might also be like flipping through the TV channels at lightning speed like Rosalie, and then I don't think I would storm off to like work on a car per se. <laughs> But I, I identify with the storming off aspect. That was good. Yeah, I really loved these mundane vampire hobbies. It's it's it, it, house. Yeah, things. it answers my question from last week, which is like, what do they do when not running back and forth mm-hmm. to Seattle uh, and eating? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think this is a huge flex uh, technology wise that Alice has all these touch screens in like mm-hmm. 2005. Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's literally like the technology of the future. Like, there were, we didn't have at-home touchscreens back then. Like, we didn't even have, like, pocket smartphones that had touchscreens. I feel like we were still very much not living that reality. They have the cream of the crop when it comes to technology, I bet. I forgot this detail of Esme apparently, like, being an architect or something. She's, like, working on blueprints here. And Edward says she's always designing something new. Perhaps she would build this one like this blueprint for our next home or the one after that so like she's building their houses yeah which is that's sick a sick hobby i feel like i've heard criticism before that like her hobby is always only tied to the family and she like doesn't have a job yeah like whereas like carlisle's got this like hospital job and like esme could easily be doing architectural work based out of right. like seattle or something you know right yeah there's like no to reason just, like, build their houses yeah yeah it was weird this is where edward is playing piano and he's starting to write bella's lullaby and i just have to say yeah i think alice deserves yeah alice deserves credit for co-writing this song alice also wrote bella's lullaby i was reading this um yeah. and i was like oh shit like she knows like more about the future of the song than edward does yeah that's cool it's kind of like this little mm. like how does seeing the future work how much of this is something that's like being shaped by alice versus like what edward was gonna do anyway and like that is a really fun yeah that's like, nuts oh my gosh creative that's cool. thought experiment <laughs> Mm, wow i love that carter burwell who scored twilight absolutely nailed it yeah beautiful bella's lullaby is so fun we actually we have like a collaborative playlist right now at work that we all Mm -hmm. listen to on our own in our own homes to feel like we're all working together (laughs) which is precious and oh my god (laughs) bella's lullaby is on it because we were each asked to pick like three songs and so oh my god um one of mine was bella's lullaby so sometimes people I work with will send me like little a couple second clips of them listening to Bella's Lullaby at work. As it should be. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love that. This is such a weird, interesting Rosalie moment again. Yeah. I hate Edward. <laughs> like, I don't. <laughs> Obviously. Which is why I laughed. Straight up hate edward but like in this in the moments where he has the audacity to say negative things about rosalie i just i like i literally like am seething with how inappropriate he is and how mean it's so yeah i'm upset that at stephanie meyer reading this section because what's new but like yeah for writing Rosalie this way. Mm-hmm. Obviously, she's not a static character. Like, she's a dynamic character, TM. Like, she she is a complex character. But 
she's still written mm-hmm. as being shallow. Yeah. And, and it, I'm like, clearly there's other things going on. If you write her a history, then, like, how would you yeah. write her as shallow? I don't know. It really, like, grinds in my gears because it's, like, what happens is Edward, like, gets a glimpse into her mind and, like, what he sees is, I guess, jealousy and he, I don't know if it's, like, it's not explicitly stated, so it's, like, the implication that he gets from it is, like, that Rosalie's jealous of Edward thinking that Bella's beautiful and, like, my attempt to reconcile that horrible situation with, like, what we know about Rosalie is I'm, like, maybe he misinterpreted it because, like, I could see how he would get a second glimpse and think jealousy. Oh, she's shallow. She's jealous that I am attracted to Bella and never was attracted to her. But it's like, Mm -hmm. she could just be jealous that she's going to have a human life. Yeah, I think that her jealousy of Bella is, like, really rooted in Bella's humanity, and that comes out more in Eclipse. Yeah, and it's like, did Edward misunderstand? Did Stephanie write something that I really hate? Both could be true, you know? (laughs) Like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. It just seems so, like, like you said, like, antithetical to, like, what we know about Rosalie's backstory, and this is a great opportunity to, like, bring that up in a way that's like, oh... I understand Rosalie now. Like, she's not mad because I'm happy. She's mad because she wants what she can never have and Bella can. Right. And she's clearly embarrassed about this jealousy or desire or whatever because she's been trying to block Edward out of her mind. She's been trying not to think this around Mm -hmm. him. And then she just slips for a second while he's playing piano and then he clued into it. You know, it's not like, you know, she's shallow and she's just, like, unaware of... Yeah. Like, the implications of her thoughts, like, her, kind of, like, her more insecure thoughts, which are, you know, not things that you want people to know about, and, you know, she, like, makes Edward promise not to tell anyone, and he doesn't, which is good. Mm -hmm. But I just think it's weird that, like, Stephanie Meyer's kind of explanation for all of this is that Rosalie, she'd never necessarily wanted to be with Edward, just like he didn't necessarily want to be with her, but apparently Rosalie has this expectation that all men should find her totally beautiful and want to worship her and like yeah. I'm like okay but even if she does like there's maybe that comes from somewhere maybe like yeah you know people who feel like they need to be validated by men is just like a symptom yeah. of like the patriarchy and mm-hmm. yeah I'm just bored by this explanation I'm bored I'm also just like so frustrated that like I don't know Edward has patience for and like sees the complexity and everyone else that he's around and spends a lot of time Mm -hmm. trying to be empathetic to them like even when he's his maddest at like jasper for wanting to kill bella he's like i understand why Mm -hmm. he's trying to protect alice and like he has just like the ability to view all the other people around him as like complex people and he just like does not ever extend that to rosalie and i'm like what is your problem And then to laugh at her is so rude. Like, he laughs at her, and that's why she, like, gets up and storms out. And then, like, he spends the rest of the chapter joking with Emmett about how difficult she is. And, like... Right. (laughs) And I'm just like, you're difficult. (laughs) Like, fuck off. Yeah. (laughs) I hate it. (laughs) Uh, I don't know how you can read someone's mind for decades and then, like, not have a better understanding of them or still not have sympathy for them. Yeah. It doesn't make sense, honestly. And it's not like they're just, like, together by happenstance. Like, they're family. Like, why haven't they been able to, like, move past this weird beef that they have that seems so situationally, like, one-sided? It seems like... I mean, everyone in the family has reason to be angry at Edward right now because he's doing something that's dangerous for them. So, like, Rosalie's feelings towards Edward are justified, in my opinion, and, like, it makes sense that she'd be situationally mad at him, and it doesn't seem like she goes through her day-to-day life without stressors introduced, like, like, Bella and, like, this whole situation. It doesn't seem like she has ill will towards Edward outside of this situation, which is, like, what's confusing to me because it seems like he always thinks negatively of her. I think we've talked about this before, but I think Stephanie Meyer has it out for blondes. Yeah. We've definitely talked about this before, maybe like in the first season. Mm -hmm. Um, But like Rosalie and Tanya and, um, you know, whatever other Denali sister 
Arena and uh, Lauren. You know, they're all kind of these like blonde women. I'm pretty sure Lauren's blonde. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Mm-hmm. They're all written as being like mean and antagonizing or or you know pulling away from like taking something away from the main couple in some way it's very interesting and i think you know (laughs) it's just like a dumb like internet trope now like just being like you know don't hate me because i'm pretty sort of situation yeah but i feel like stephanie meyer like has like a chip on her shoulder about this because i don't know there's this passage in this chapter where edward narrates i wondered how Rosalie's life and personality would have been different if she had not always been the most beautiful. Would she have been a happier person, less egocentric, more compassionate, if beauty hadn't at all times been her strongest selling point? It's... Well, I suppose, like, first of all, strongest selling point is her beauty? Like, you don't think she has anything, like, more than that to offer? It's so and, fucked like, up. Yeah, like, at that point, it's Edward who's putting her beauty above above any other like thing that rosalie might bring to the table it almost feels like he does harbor some sort of attraction to her in like a physical way that like upsets him and that's why he harps on it so much because like i believe him when he says that he never wanted to be with rosalie romantically but it might it reads as if like he is putting so much stock into her beauty because Like, maybe he is distracted by it. Maybe he is taken aback by it so much and he's, like, rejecting that by creating her into this monster in his head (laughs) because he, like, he doesn't want to be with her and obviously, like, he might just be, like, confused about, like, what? I don't know. I'm I'm just, like... Yeah, hella projecting. (laughs) Yeah, like, oh my god. Like, I can't imagine. Like, I'm just kind of, like, well, if there was someone else reading your minds in this family, like... And they got privy of your thoughts, Edward. Like, like mm-hmm. he, he's lucky that they can't read his mind because he's thinking these nasty things about her, you know? I know, yeah. It's like, she's a person. She's a person. Yeah. It's a weird vend- weird vendetta. It's like this weird incel thing. Yeah, it is. Why do you hate pretty women? <laughs> like, yeah. what is wrong with you? She's not, like, expecting him to, like treat her differently i bet if he treated her like a real fucking person then she wouldn't yeah be cold to him that wanting to treat her like a person doesn't come from like you thinking she's beautiful yeah like, i don't it's just because she's a person and she's also you're in your family <laughs> so so weird i i hate this dynamic yeah and i'm sure that we're gonna get more of it because it seems like it's popping up so frequently in this book it's so unfortunate because i know that there's so many people that are like i don't know i've heard a lot of people talking about how they're like oh my gosh so many more emmett moments this is so great like i'm so excited woohoo midnight sun and i just want to say like i'm sorry to all of us rosalie fans out there like myself there's like no rosalie in twilight except for like a few glances between her and bella and like one line right like you are like oh cool maybe we'll get more rosalie in midnight sun and it's like the rosalie that you get is this right we barely get her because Edward doesn't give her the fucking time of day. <laughs> yeah. I don't approve. I don't approve. And mm. maybe that's a good therapy recommendation for the week is family therapy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, I imagine that Edward is just harboring these thoughts in his head and that no one else is like privy to his like dislike of Rosalie that's so deep seated. But I feel like if the other mm. members of the family knew how negatively that he thought and and like conceived of her that like Carlisle and Esme, of course Emmett, like they would not approve. <laughs> she deserves respect at least. And he's doing a lot right now that is like endangering her life and mm-hmm. her lifestyle. She has every right to be angry. I don't know. Yeah. Edward. <sighs> Edward. Yeah. And then he jail. like immediately, jail. I literally wrote jail. That's so funny. <laughs> i wrote disgusting in prison but jail yeah Yeah, absolutely i wrote disgusting jail in all caps (laughs) it's actually like a pretty good segue into edward's like next freak out which is that peter and charlotte are coming oh yeah oh wait one more note oh yeah Edward spends time being briefly angry here that Rosalie sees Bella as plain. And it's like, um, oh, my God, where were you? like yes. 50 pages ago. Literally, <laughs> like 
sir. Obviously, like, he literally, like, he literally thought that pages ago, as you said. Also, like, people become more attractive to people over time, and I don't think that that is... I'm just thinking, like, of course that'll happen to, like, between, like, Edward and Bella, that makes sense. Like, he's seeing her more, like, as a potential interest, whatever. But that happens with friends, too. Like... Totally. You start to see the beauty in people when you get to know them. And just because Rosalie has, like, literally probably looked at Bella three times and is like, well, she's kind of normal looking. Like, she's kind of plain looking. (laughs) Is, like, not not offensive in any way. (laughs) Emmett has the same thought. He's like, I don't get it. Yeah. They're all just kind of like, Edward's a lot more forgiving. (laughs) Yeah. To them, it, it must be like, like Edward's the the kid who like likes keeping pet rats and no one gets it because oh, they're like my it's god. a rat and Edward's like oh my god my pet rat <laughs> I was about to be like the the comparison that jumped into my head was when when like our friends will pick out like the frat boy of the month that they want to date and it oh looks it's just like this incredibly um, like average looking white yeah. boy from a fraternity yeah. and that we have to look at them and be like oh they're cute <laughs> and it's like truly some of them do grow on me they do sure. when I begin yeah. to see them as yeah. people and don't just glance at them once you know like they do grow on me but it's like again sometimes. like I think that's sometimes sometimes they become worse <laughs> sometimes sometimes yeah. I ponder murder <laughs> yeah <laughs> <sighs> but like it, that's normal that's just like a part of getting to know people and like yeah you know <laughs> but edward says how could she believe that it seemed incomprehensible to me a product of the jealousy no doubt like it's not that deep buddy it's so Back off. not that deep be grateful that rosalie isn't the one who's attracted to her and that because then like you'd be out of luck yeah this kind of leads into the, like the part about how peter and charlotte are going to come into town mm-hmm. also alice and edward play heart and soul on the piano together oh really my god yes oh my god so cute so cute really brings you back to like the choir room during lunch when like everyone is just getting on the piano and playing yeah. heart and soul <laughs> Except I'm not sure it sounds They're like fucking choir kids. So, oh my god, you're right. Alice, <laughs> Alice and Edward are choir kids. Yeah. The others somehow aren't, but they are. Yeah. Damn it. Wow. And then uh, we sort of transition to uh, Emmett and Edward hunting uh, Emmett's like mid bear attack. Yeah. He's like getting his shirt slashed to bits. Yes. And then they sit down on the rocks together and have a heart to heart. And I would like to consider this a form of of vampire therapy because I thought what Emmett's conversation with Edward accomplished was so huge. And it's just like, Mm. yeah, somebody had to say it. Like, what's happening is Edward is being incredibly negative and talking about all the horrible things that he envisions happening to Bella. We talked about this on the last episode where he's like, she could be killed by a spider. She could be killed by lead poisoning she could be killed by this and she has horrible luck and emma is taking all of those instances that edward is providing and reframing them into a a positive thought and so edward is providing all these examples of like why he thinks bella has really bad luck and says things like oh like can you imagine like of all the places she was living she's living in forks a place with vampires what's really bad luck and emma's like isn't that good luck we're vegetarians and then mm-hmm. Edward will be like, but yeah, but like, then I like, and imagine like the bad luck that she has that I have this special like feeling towards her blood or whatever. Emmett's like, well, isn't that good luck? Because you're the one amongst all of us that has the best self-control. And Edward's like, but yeah, but you remember when she was almost hit by a car? And Emmett was like, yeah, and you, a vampire, happened to be standing close enough to her to save her. Good luck. And mm-hmm. it's it that is <laughs> therapy. <laughs> like, that's the conversation. That yeah, is that's therapy. Like vampire therapy. Like he is taking all the things that Edward is seeing as these like horrible things, and, and yeah, and he's catastrophizing. And and Emmett is able to like reframe those as 
a positive thing that like totally look at those bad things that that did happen that didn't destroy her because she has good luck and is able to persevere and like taking it from a deficit mind of like (laughs) that to like a resilience and persistence (laughs) like oh look all those things that tried Mm. to kill her could not succeed you know amazing it's great i really like this scene i see it very clearly in my mind just it would absolutely make the cut in a midnight sun tv show emmett's kind of like big brain here um saying that edward should just turn bella and also bringing up this like really great point of like what's your relationship gonna be like if a she grows old and like isn't there forever but also b you can't touch her (laughs) Mm -hmm. which is such a excellent point Emmett's like really characterized as this big dumb loaf boy um (laughs) big himbo and like yeah he's like a huge himbo and like but he like he's really making points here and like he yeah. really has like a, a really logical straightforward reasoning process that I feel like really is a like a benefit to the Cullens overall. He just like has some really sharp analyses of what's going on. Totally. <laughs> at this point in the story. Ultimately Edward is still very anxious about his separation from Bella and goes back to Forks goes uh like sh- goes straight to her room goes straight to her room he brought the oil to grease the grease the mechanism which is something that he that stephanie meyer cut out of that first section of him thinking about that mm-hmm. but has kept in here um mm-hmm. which is a choice mm-hmm. he has this you know he has this little thought and he's like kind of worried about where she's been and like wonder what she was doing and he's like I laughed silently and wryly at how much that upset me. So what if she had gone out? I didn't own her. She wasn't mine. And I'm like, do you really believe that? Seems like Also, yeah. Does he really believe that? And also, like, go out in what sense? Like, on a date? Because it's like, she's 17. She's not going clubbing. And I feel like that's when I hear go out. Like, when I hear people's, like, partners being like, you can't go out. That's what I associate it with. And it's right. like, what's she going to go out and do? Walk around Walmart? Like, you're in the middle of nowhere. Because at this point, has she, she's she been to La Push. Yeah. That's where he, she went. And he doesn't remember yeah. it. Yeah. Well, he talks about it after. Oh, he does? Yeah. He says Bella had just spent the day at La Push. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. So it's interesting. And when he does talk about La Push, oh, yeah. it's... Oh, yeah. It's really weird be- to me. I have questions because, like... Maybe this is this is p- perhaps um, like indicative of like the gap in my knowledge of <laughs> Twilight that strikes me that when he thinks about the Quileutes and he talks about how like he refers to them and he's saying like the Quileutes are bound by treaty too. It's a place where a few old men still remembered the stories about the Cullens, remembered them and believed them. And it's like, yeah, there's no active wolves now, mm-hmm. but like... If I knew, if I were Edward and I knew that the Quileutes had the potential to turn into werewolves, I would still probably mention that and, or like think about that as part of my internal like narration. Whenever I thought about them, I think I would be unable to distance the people who are not necessarily werewolves, like Billy and Care, like all the older people, like the dads that of are the not, werewolves, yeah, yeah like the older generation like I, I still feel like i would be like like if, if this were me and i like it was my internal narration i would be like bella spent the day at a push a place where i was forbidden by treaty a place where a few old men still remembered the stories about <laughs> about the cullens remember them and believe them and also had the potential to turn into big werewolves if the vampires got too close or there were too many of us at once you know especially yeah. like because we know they start turning because of more vampire activity in the area and edward i believe knows that connection like like he must know that connection because he's been around where there's been wolves before is he not worried i don't know what triggers that for for them though like yeah like i was thinking like it does peter and charlie coming through doesn't do that or is it just victoria and new moon that does it because she's not even building her army at that point but like there's still wolves in the next book yeah that's like that's a that's the question i have it's like how many were like vampires does it take to spark a huge change in the quileutes like whole shit essentially like they they 
every like young man and also Leah mm-hmm. turn into werewolves for the first time in like remembered history as far like like in the first time in the, their generation and the generation before them and presumably the generation before them how many vampires does it take because throughout the course of twilight now we know that peter and charlotte are coming through but also shortly after laurent and james and victoria are coming through and that's five vampires in a in a, in like a, a couple of months so yeah i mean like we don't know if at this point if sam is a werewolf yet but presumably that happens you know over the coming months if not if it hasn't already but like when Jacob transforms, it's, like, a year from now. Yeah. And I'm, like, what... When the other those other people transform, it's, like, a year from now. So it's interesting because that is still... It happens, you know, after the Cullens leave. Yeah. And is it the question of, like, proximity or, like, numbers? Because I could see where, like, a vampire just passing through that doesn't know or honor the treaty or doesn't, like, know or honor the Cullens could get too close and accidentally, like spur the 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 change in sam but like i is it about like how close they get is that a factor is it just that like because peter and charlotte are not hunting in the area that like they're not getting close enough to like impact the quillute young men i don't i like young people is it a matter of threat like is it yeah like true like threat like in a magical sense like there's like i don't know there's a lot of themes of like fate and magic that aren't really explained in this saga so like maybe it plays into that where like they can like quote unquote sense you know actual danger to either themselves or humans in the area like it could be because of like whatever the hell is going on between bella and the cullens like triggers something in like the you know whatever the the force of (laughs) magic (laughs) in this area um totally because like biting a human is like part of the treaty i knew i wish it was something that i knew more about and i wonder if those details lie in the next book or like in like new moon or in eclipse or whatever or if they're like in the illustrated guide i don't want to read too much into it now because i want to discover those things as we come across them but I'm curious. It's such a choice for them to come back and live in the same area and then, like, be like, yep, some people in the next town over know about us. Yeah. (laughs) It's such a huge, like, trust. And, like, I understand that, like, there's a treaty, but the risk is so great. (laughs) Yeah. For both of them, to be quite honest. Like, I'm sure that it would also be extremely dangerous for the werewolves to be known about too it's it's interesting like the difference in organization between the the like the vampires that we know about and the werewolves we know about too and it seems like it's dismissed because it's like kind of dismissed away from being explained because the quillutes are obviously a part of one tribe and like are like all the vampires or all the all the werewolves we know in the story but that they don't have like a volturi governing (laughs) board like deciding what is or isn't okay and like the vampires do so i mean it's just kind of like first of all they're like a real people (laughs) and like they're you know they're have their have their own history of governance whereas like vampires are more often nomadic and are you could say like more western and like in a european sense like in terms of like individualism and like there are a lot of vampires who are who live completely by themselves and act, act autonomously and have no sense of community and no sense of responsibility right. to other people. I, I look forward to learning more about that in the next few books. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious to see, like, what Stephanie has to say about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's not good, you know? Yeah, it's like, you explain this to me, Stephanie. You tell me what you think yeah. you're doing here. Yeah, and I'll tell you the truth when I... Yeah. <laughs> But I get acquainted with what you think is happening. Yeah. <laughs> the author of this series. I liked how at the end of this chapter, Edward gets a whiff of Bella's scent in the woods. Yeah. To where she, and I remember when we did this in for Twilight, um, you know, she has this really, really Virgo moment mm-hmm. where she's processing everything she learned at the push, when she goes to sit in the woods and reali- and like starts to like be like, okay, I think Edward's a vampire. 
Mm-hmm. I just love, like, the parallel of, like, he's just, he's out here just, like, falling in love with her, and she's, like, figuring out that he's a vampire. Like, those are the, the two yeah. paths that are happening, and they're very different, and I'm, I really love that. And also, I was thinking a lot during this section, or not a lot, but I was thinking during this section about um, the Cupid and Psyche myth mm. we were talking about in the first episode. The parallels are remaining strong, Yeah. Too. Because, I mean, the whole point is that Cupid gets hit by his own arrow and falls in love with her immediately, and Psyche is not having that experience. She's trying to figure out what he is and knowing that he's some kind of monster, but still, like, being in relation to him. Cool shit. Clever. Huge. Huge, huge, huge. (laughs) I do love that illusion. I think it was a good chapter. It's... We did a lot of complaining along the way, but I enjoyed reading it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, don't let our constant complaints fool you. Yeah, <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> Shall we do the Forks cast and yes. a listener submitted question? Yes, let's do that. All right. Today in Forks, it is 81 degrees and mostly sunny. Uh, it'll get down to 51 tonight. So it's a pretty big range uh, between the high of 81 and the low of 51. It's not going to rain pretty much all week. There's some clouds later in the week, oh. but it's a pretty clear week for for forks coming up wow so few a few days where the cullens would have been excused from school absolutely we have a question so it's from alexis longtime dedicated listener she says vampire mechanics question if venom fills their mouths when they're aroused in any way would making out with bella potentially kill her if some of edward's venom got in her mouth if they kissed with tongue first of all i don't think they do kiss with tongue wow yeah that's yeah ever because his teeth can't go he his, his teeth are so sharp like it can't touch any part of her yeah yeah that would be yeah. yeah that would be a huge risk i think he has to keep his mouth like clamped shut yeah like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> second of all i feel like I've, i feel like i've thought about this before and i think that the venom you know has to enter her bloodstream for her to turn into a vampire so there would have to be like cuts on her lip or like open open like sores in her mouth basically it's kind of like yeah kind of like getting an std or like yeah not all stds but like some stds it's kind of like it depends on what the what the bodily fluid is and where it's going on on or in you you know changes your risk of contraction she just texted me that there's something later in the book that has kind of an answer to a similar question, um, but it's not exactly the same, but she's being really vague on pers- purpose because she doesn't know how far we are into uh, the book okay. yet. And so I'm interested to see what that is. But I agree that it seems as if Edward would need to absolutely clamp his mouth shut and that they would not be able to kiss with tongue, <laughs> which is so funny to think about because they date for years. And then the, probably the first time they actually make out, make out is uh, in after Breaking she's a Dawn. Vampire. <laughs> after she's a vampire. But like, they They're have fully, sex. They have sex and they've also never kissed with tongue. Oh my god. They have sex and <laughs> the whole time their mouths are like closed doing little chaste kisses. They're like, mm-hmm. the whole time. <laughs> oh. Ew, I would I like to that. not see it. Yeah. <laughs> That was a good question, though. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I think it it doesn't. It definitely maneuvers around the mechanics of kissing. Yeah. And venom. Yeah. Bleak. I don't know how much, like, I don't know. Like, what happens if there's, like, venom, like, on her, her just her skin? Does that hurt? Does it just cold? Does it burn? Is it yeah. just, like, irritating? But it's not going to turn her into a vampire to just, like, it's not, like, oh, yeah. acid, you know? It works more like a disease. Or like a po- like a poison. Damn. Who knows? Who How uncomfortable. Knows? How awful to think about. Yeah. Thanks, Alexis. Speaking of awful <laughs> to think about, chapter eight, Ghost, just really opens up with something that I hate so much, and <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna complain about Edward this time. It's not Edward. It's Mike Newton. It's Mike Newton. We got a question about this actually. Oh, great! Lay it on me. <laughs> just a comment, really. <laughs> That we can lead right into. It's, you know, he does a lot in this section, I think, that's annoying. But the pinnacle of it kind of comes at the end. One of our listeners on Instagram, Summer Jean King, said, First of all, love y'all's podcast so much. Second, I just started Midnight Sun yesterday and found the line from Mike's thoughts about Jessica having bigger boobs than Bella. And I have fucking lost it. And that's not a question, but God, I need someone else to acknowledge this. (laughs) Yes. So I read this part out loud to JJ, my partner. 
like we we i have read most of the book out loud to him at this point we'll get in the car instead of putting on a podcast i will read twilight out loud or midnight sun out loud and so i read this part out loud that says she's cute though i guess decent body bigger boobs than bella's and he stopped the car in the parking lot and said show me where stephanie wrote the word boobs <laughs> and made me show it to him in the book because he could not believe that she said the word boobs i know right Mm-hmm. oh my god i was shocked i was appalled i was grossed out i've never yeah. recovered from this no what really what i really disliked like that was horrible as well what i did not like most of mike's actions in this part of the book was that he got to school saw bella's hair noticed that her hair had red in it which is great edward also noticed that and then mike newton put picked a like a lock of her hair and put it like tucked it behind her ear and i was like if someone who was like my friend that did not usually touch me did that to me mm-hmm. like someone who asked me on a date multiple times and i said no if they did that to me i would literally never speak to them again honestly i would distance myself so hard yeah like it's such an someone that space. He, she has been trying to like let him down and like establish boundaries to like remain friendly with him because i think that's something she actually wants god knows why then for him to be like i'm gonna touch your hair and put it behind your ear is a (laughs) such a violation of her personal space right yeah he's not picking up what she's putting down he's not understanding not at all her rejection her no and he has to have this really spelled out for him here which is done hilariously and i love when yeah bella says if you ever repeat what i'm saying right now i will i will cheerfully beat you to death and edward also loves that i love that edward is like wow she's giving him death threats i wish that were me (laughs) but she has to spell out that like jessica's into him and then and then only then does he like realize because he can only see the object of his desire (laughs) when edward laughs out loud at that line Mm -hmm. it made me think like he describes himself as like startling a bird and i understand that vampires can speak very quietly to each other and like hear very well but i wondered if (laughs) if you think vampires can also yell extremely loudly (laughs) as if you could yell louder than me (laughs) yeah yeah like as if you could yell louder than me like do we think that they could just like be sports announcers at a stadium oh and yeah they don't yell they've never needed a megaphone crowd. sonic um, voice just another vampire mechanic question that i that i came across during this portion like could they just like scream extremely loudly <laughs> like, i hope so there's a big question of like like can vampires break the sound barrier with like their speed yes. but it's also like can they create a sonic boom with their mouth <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a really great question it's like I mean, there's no reason for them to. I don't think it would be extremely helpful to them or anything like that, but it would be so funny. If he accidentally laughed, like, so loud, like, mm-hmm. they would turn around and see him <laughs> standing in the woods. <laughs> and he, like, has to duck behind a bush. It's, like, yeah. extremely, extremely much ado about nothing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. hiding in the bushes, much ado about nothing. I, I can't believe that Mike did this. I can't believe this. This chapter is, like so short it's very short i was reading it and i was like that's all i get i guess it's really short because edward is really just biding time to follow <laughs> the the girls to port angeles and he says he starts to listen through angela weber's head because she is nice and he feels better to think that bella had one friend worth having oh <laughs> I find myself in this chapter being like, 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 yeah, good. You follow her to Port Angeles. She need, like, she's gonna need help. <laughs> I'm so nervous. Yeah. I'm so nervous it's about so the next hard. chapter. It's so hard because Edward is going to be validated in his fears that Bella is unlucky yeah. or whatever. And I know that that's gonna probably spark more of the controlling nature of his and like how he has been challenged by all these people around him. Like, oh, she doesn't have bad luck. Like 
it just for them to be like no back off like she's gonna be fine like it's fine and for him to be telling himself in his head like it'll be fine I don't have to be there right there always like waiting for her anything like that for this to now happen like I feel is going to destroy any chance that they could have had a healthy balance between his controlling tendencies and like her need for like autonomy and like agency and separation from him in any way because it's like he reacted so strongly to the like the last few things that have happened to her before he even came to terms with the fact that he loves her Mm -hmm. and now i feel like this is going to absolutely devastate him i just feel like it's gonna be really awful Yeah, I'm just, like, anticipating reading it. First of all, I've read, like, a while ago that, like, like big trigger warning for yeah. sexual violence in this upcoming chapter because of, like, the thoughts that he's going to be hearing from the from the, the men in that chapter. Cool. Party, I guess. Party. But, like, his reaction to this, like, in Twilight is so hard to read, and I feel like in Midnight Sun it's going to be even more... Worse. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it because like I am looking forward to it like yeah. I want to know what's in yeah. it but I'm also not looking forward to it because I'm all like not yeah <laughs> if that makes right. sense perfect <laughs> exactly no for sure yeah it's a it's a whole mess and this is like the that we're approaching kind of the, the most cult- so socially poignant culturally rich part of yeah, the totally i think for this chapter is basically him just following her around to still still being um edward the spy i really love how much he's flexing his austin knowledge in this section yeah clearly a, a, a fan of jane austen yeah absolutely he's like oh yes the main character edward and then doesn't even think like haha that's my name <laughs> like, yeah at all I think, like, it, when we did the collab episode and we were talking about, like, Edward bragging about things, this is such an Edward mm-hmm. bragging moment where he's like, Yes. Oh, yeah, I know all these, I know all this stuff about Jane Austen. And, um, Absolutely. like, this is the part that she's at and, like, blah, 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 blah. And also, like, he's reading over her shoulder from so fucking far away. It's like, that's also a huge flex. <laughs> and then she, like, falls asleep and he becomes anxious that the shadows are, like, encroaching upon her body. Yeah, it's kind of a lot. Yeah. It's like, come on, Edward. And then he eventually goes home once he realizes, like, he needs to show his face around his house before he, like, heads off to um, Port Angeles. He gives them, like, a head start and everything like that, but... He also, like, gives this other reason after she, like, eats dinner. Basically, like, he doesn't say this, but, like, when she starts to go get ready for bed, like, that's when he leaves. Because he's, like, he's, like, I'm not gonna... I'm not a peeping Tom, is what he says. Like, I'm not gonna trespass on her privacy in that way. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And I think he even throws Mike Newton under the bus. He was like, Mike Newton no doubt would. Mike Newton would definitely, yeah. like, stay here and watch Bella, like, take a shower. <laughs> it's like, totally. you don't know that. <laughs> He's like, I'm not like other creeps. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not like other men. I I only spy sometimes. I'm only a stalker in the one specific way. I only go into her room and watch her sleep all night long. <laughs> <laughs> He's horrible. <laughs> <sighs> I it really does like give you like a glance into the mind of someone who does morally questionable bad even bad things. I imagine that most people who do bad things are oftentimes like, well, I'm not doing murder, so <laughs> yeah, <that's>, right. <laughs> that's, you know, it's not so bad or like people that are murderers are probably like, well, I murder people, but you know, I don't eat them so there right. are definitely people who are worse than me and like uh-huh. <laughs> you know i'm sure that, that that's like just a natural instinct to to distance oneself from like who they view as like the true villains of, right. of the world there's this little section while she's asleep in the lawn and he's watching her that feels like such a parallel to what will come in the meadow scene he's watching her s- sleep in the sun and she's like mumbling to her to herself and he's thinking about how much he wants to like join her in the sun and like touch her or whatever or i don't know and he's like thinking about how you know would she be terrified and find me grotesque if she if she saw me like that it just feels like such a parallel to the meadow scene where like he's laying down with his eyes closed and he's like murmuring to himself and mm-hmm. um they're both in the sunlight together and also it's another cupid and psyche moment I think because 
before Psyche ever sees Cupid, like, they're always in the dark together. And then yeah. she does see him in the light and sees him for the first time and finds him beautiful and not grotesque. It's all there. Good job, Stephanie. Huge. Yeah, I did not catch that. That's amazing. Just literary things. It's clear that poor Edward's family is, like, not seeing the amount of him that they want to. Like, this this is so cute. When he gets home, Emmett has left him a note that says, football at Rainier Field. Come on, please. (laughs) And Edward just finds a pen and writes, sorry. And it's so sad. And then he follows Bella to school, doesn't really say much about anything during the school day, but then goes home and Peter and Charlotte are there and he like talks to them a little bit, doesn't participate in the group conversation and then sits and plays piano while they're all talking until it's time for him to follow Bella to Port Angeles, which is so fucked up. (laughs) It's just so funny. He's just like this antisocial boy and Peter and Charlotte both are thinking about how weird he is. Yeah. And and the reason and that they right. give is because yeah, they're they're right. And yeah. they're like, you know, animal blood is just, you know, it just can't do it, you know? That's so funny. It's like he's he's weird because he just needs to drink human blood. If he drank human blood, he'd be normal. It's also interesting here that uh Jasper says to Peter and Charlotte, I guess, when he, when they're leaving, he says, if you see Maria again, tell her I wish her well. And then Edward kind of gives us a tiny little backstory here saying that, like, she came to visit them one time and then they had to move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where is yeah. That? It says, um, she'd looked Jasper up once when we were in Calgary. It had been an eventful visit. We'd have to, we'd had to move immediately. Like, what happened? I want to know. I feel like she just seems so chaotic. I really would love to know the ah. details of, like, what she did to, like, yeah. make, make that. I forgot that she was alive, <laughs> honestly. I thought that I kept, I keep thinking that she's dead, but it's like, why yeah. is she, how is she still alive? Like how did the Volturi not killed her for like doing all these vampire war things? Yeah, vampire war crimes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It, it's just, you know, Edward <laughs> yeah. is just like not listening to reason. And you know, it's good because it's good because we know what happens in Port Angeles, but the fact that, I don't know, it just seems like he's setting up a really like bad precedent before even establishing his relationship with Bella, that he's go- he's establishing this precedent that he will be wherever she is. He's not resisting it anymore. It also makes me kind of wonder, like, I know that he leaves when... It, like, I know he leaves in New Moon, and I know he does go pretty far, but it's kind of weird because it's like, this Edward would not leave Bella, even if he wanted to not be with her romantically anymore. Like, I couldn't imagine him leaving farther than, like, Seattle and just, like not telling her how close he was and just like spying on her throughout that yeah i don't know it seems I think really he, strange i think he gets to a point where he genuinely feels once again that the greatest danger to her is him because of her proximity to him like she's in danger of other vampires flawed logic but he kind of in this section he's not feeling like that in this section he feels like he's he's gonna try to be her protector which is why he's following her around. But he's not resisting it at all. He's kind of taking this whole, like, I can't get myself to leave thing to be like, I literally cannot leave her alone for one second. <laughs> That's honestly, like, the end of the chapter. That's all That's I had. It. That's it. Yeah. I, like, cannot wait to read these next couple of chapters. I'm probably going to re- read them this afternoon. Oh, my God. I just read the first line, and it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm... I always say that I'm going to read the draft and then I keep forgetting, but I mean, I think it was, I didn't catch any differences for this one. I didn't look at all of it, but I'm curious to see if it's the same for the next couple of chapters, if she changed anything about the Port Angeles experience TM. I feel like the main critiques of Twilight are the like, watches him sleep thing. And to an extent, the racism has been getting more attention, which is great. But I feel like people don't really critique this Port Angeles scene very much. Yeah. I don't hear it talked about much, which is great. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But also, I'm curious to see if there's things in that that she would want to change. Because it makes sense to me that she changed a lot about the way that Edward thinks about, like, going to her house and, like, watching her sleep. Because I feel like that's a lot of stuff that is culturally, like, (laughs) well-remembered about Twilight. Yeah, things that she was critiqued for widely. Also, I'm just flipping through the draft right now. Not only did Stephanie Meyer write about boobs in Midnight Sun, she added it in to the book. It was not in the original draft. 
Oh my god. She said, I'm cool. I can say boobs now. I've grown. Other than that, these chapters were like really close to the draft. So yeah, I'm ex- I'm looking forward to seeing what's what's coming up next. Yeah, I can't wait for the next one. I think it's going to be a great episode. I'm sure we're going to have lots of hot takes. Uh, yeah. Cool. I think that's about it for our, today's episode. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions about Midnight Sun that you'd like us to answer, any comments even send us a dm or an email you probably know where to find us by now (laughs) yeah if you've been putting off following us on instagram twitter etc you should definitely check us out i feel like sam's been doing a killer job with the instagram lately oh thank you so um jj did a really good job taking photos of midnight sun for our instagram (laughs) (laughs) he took it incredibly seriously he disrupted all of our lives for an entire afternoon to take some <laughs> midnight sun <laughs> as glamour shots yeah the creative energy i need cool we'll catch you in the next one yeah that's all forks listening to gender forking a twilight saga podcast all of seasons one and two are now streaming to stay updated about the podcast follow us on twitter and instagram at, at genderforking. for more twilight content from us follow us at bowlingsharebellas at tumblr.com for other inquiries email us at bowlingsharebellas at gmail.com if you would like to support the production and maintenance of this podcast head to patreon.com slash genderforking the music you are hearing is from oh 